Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where Gabriel and I have been revisiting the 80s year over year um, and uh, talking about pop culture. The year, 1990, Margaret Thatcher resigned as British Prime Minister. The Soviet Communist Party relinquished its 70-year monopoly of political power in Russia. Mary Robinson was elected the first female president of Ireland. The X rating was replaced by NC-17, no children under 17. Again, female president in 1990. Right. Uh, it makes it sound so polite. The Soviet Communist Party relinquished. You know, they were just like, you know what? We're just pass, pass on power. Very nice. The most polite. And and wh- how did that work out? Right? Look at them now. Yeah. Well, they, they should. They're just like, you know what? We take it back. They take these vaccines. Takes. Um, births. We have Aaron Taylor Johnson. Are you familiar with Mr. Taylor Johnson? You are, that name sounds familiar, yeah. yes. So you'll know him from, he was, uh, what's his name? He was the uh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver in okay. the um, Avengers movie, Pietro. He was also the, way before Pietro, he was Kick-Ass, a Kick-Ass actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, really, really good. I, I've always, I thought he was he was great in... in, in um, in uh in kick-ass also really well built uh, the, the last thing i just saw him in was in the um the bullet train movie with brad pitt mm. and and i believe oh yeah and oh he's the he's the new craven the hunter in the in the in that movie that's, that's who him. he is okay yeah, that's him Damn, he's just all over yeah yeah uh always stays in great shape too I, i've always uh, thought that was very cool because you know how like some people you know yeah um, but yeah, he was born in 1990. We can add him to the list with uh, The Rock for people who are just perpetually in shape, no matter what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Then we have uh, Thomas Brody Sangster. Now, the name uh, might not automatically jump up, um, but he is... What, what would he be best known for? Hmm. So the last thing I saw him in was The Queen's Gambit. He was the... Um, guy there he was in the maze runner movies but what what movie am i thinking of that that he that he was like very famous for was it maze runner i guess so maybe but yeah because he was in the three maze runner movies never got out huh never (laughs) uh but i think he does more television i think than anything because yeah i remember the queen's gambit and yeah and you know looking at his page here he just has a he has quite a few Quite a few um, television roles. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with that. I say from the safety of our podcast. Right. And then the last person that was born uh, in 1990 that we'll be discussing, not the last person that was born. Yeah. Whoa. (laughs) What a claim. (laughs) On on the eve of December 31st. 11.59. December 31st. (laughs) This guy. Just kidding. Um, 
Uh, no, he's not known for a lot of things. Uh, so Grant um, Grant Gustin, everybody will know him for like the 200 episodes of The Flash. He is the the television's The Flash. Okay. Um, yep. Uh, yeah. So that, and then like uh, arguably the Superior Flash. Arguably, yes, yes. But yeah, that's him. Uh, that's it. Uh, you know, he uh, he. I think he got that he got that job in twenty. 10 or 2013 and just wrote it out for the last 10 years i mean that's not bad dude that's a S- surprisingly slow for a man so fast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very good gabe very very good he was also in glee apparently he was what he was in glee Oh, apparently, apparently, I never know. You could tell me anyone was in glee and i'd just be like cool i'd have to believe you apparently he sings well look at him Good for him. Okay, moving on to deaths. So our first death to discuss today will be Roald Roald Dahl. That's how you say his name, right? Born in Uh, yes. Born in 1916, he was a uh, a popular author of children's literature and short stories, a poet, and a wartime fighter. Ace Gabe. Hey man, you gotta just you gotta spice it up. Can't just write children's books all the time. (laughs) And again, Fighter Ace, uh, referring to the fact that he's British. Uh, his well, books... Also, that uh, he would have had to have at least five confirmed kills then. Oh, too. yeah, that's true. Isn't that the rule for yeah. you know, what they did? Good catch, Gabe. Uh, his books have sold more than 300 million copies worldwide. Uh, Dal has been called one of the greatest storytellers for children of the 20th century. So he, he served as a fighter pilot during the Second World War. Uh, also as an intelligence officer, rising to the rank of acting wing commander. He it's a cool sounding rank. It is, right? He rose to prominence as a writer in the 1940s with works for children and for adults, and he became one of the world's best-selling authors. You will know him, and we all will know him, for James and the Giant Peach, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The BFG, Big Fucking Guy, and uh, a couple other things that I, I am not familiar with. Died at the age of 74 of a rare cancer of the blood. That's yeah. a, So that means that 1916, so 1940, he is 24, right? Yeah. So he was 24 years old when he when he went into World War II and was a, a fighter pilot. They don't make him like that and anymore, Gabe. It's crazy, like... Everything now is wild for fighter stuff, like for planes, because it's all high speed and high tech. But like when you had to like look at the friggin' plane, and just be like, all right, let me let me get this gun on him and just friggin' light him up until he goes boom. <laughs> like what a like flight wasn't that wasn't that old. They were like, okay, we kind of got to hang on flying. You know what we could do? We could strap a gun to this and shoot the other dude. Humans, man, there's um, nothing we won't we won't <laughs> we won't exploit like that. You know, you, you, actually, you said something that I didn't, I, I did not quite put together. But you're absolutely right. When was the, when was the, uh, the Wrights, uh, the, the okay. Wright brothers? Um, like, okay, so they first 1903, 1903. The first okay, and that was like the, the, like the two mile one, right? Yeah, they did a little. Like they were like, oh, minutes, like it was it like did, we didn't crash. <laughs> so, you know, like. Like twenty right. years later, they were like flying those throwing bombs out. That's that's my, one a... of my favorite stories. Is like when they first mounted machine guns on the front of those like biplanes. They didn't know how to not make them shoot their own propeller. Oh right! 
So the solution was they just put a bunch of metal back plates on the propeller. They're like, it's fine. It'll just bounce off. Holy cow. Until some until some genius figured out how to time it with the engine so it would literally shoot in between. Okay, yeah. When you say it like that, Gabe, you're right. It is it is basically <laughs> like sailing had been around a really long time, right? Sailing, easy. The progress, you can chart that. You need a long ass paper, you can just all the way. Flying, it's just like can fly, kind of can fight, killing the shit out of each other in planes very quickly. <laughs> that yeah, that's that's good old raw. Good old roll. <laughs> good for him. Good he for was him. good at it too. Yeah, he was apparently. Um, <laughs> our next death is Leonard Bernstein, American conductor, composer, pianist, music educator, author, and humanitarian. Considered oh. to be one of the most important conductors of his time, he was the first American conductor to receive international acclaim. He uh, has re- he, he was the recipient of many honors, including seven Emmy Awards, two Tony Awards, 16 Grammy Awards, including the Lifetime Achievement Award and the Kennedy Center Honors. He, he got so many awards that they were like, have another award for all the awards you have. <laughs> that's basically it, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, he ain't no EGOT, though, so I'm saying. Oh, he now the, the reason why I bring him up, of, of course, is because he is best known for the Broadway musical West Side Story ah. and other stuff. Uh, but he was a, a, a like as I mentioned, he was a humanitarian, right? So he worked in support of civil rights. He protested against the Vietnam War, advocated nuclear disarmament, raised money for AIDS and HIV research and awareness. And uh, basically engaged in multiple international in- initiatives for human rights and world peace. At probably the age- helping old ladies across the street. You know, he probably did. Record. Probably did. Probably did. At the age of seventy-two, he passed away in New York uh, from a heart attack brought on by mesothelioma. Remember the TV ads? Mesothelioma. Yeah, that's how I know how to pronounce the word. Yeah, it's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I just I. You know, you know me. The one, the one of the greatest musicals in in my lifetime is West Side Story. Yeah, um, something I'm actually ex- have exposure to myself. Have you seen the new one, by the way, the Spielberg one? Or no? I have not seen the new one. It's really good. Like it yeah. is, it is beautifully. I mean, it looks certain shots that this ever got. You're just like, what the f- god damn it, Spielberg! That is gorgeous. Certain shots he got, he got so so good. Um, and then just really great cast. Uh, and there was one song that wasn't in the original movie, uh, which is kind of cool that they added a whole, a whole other section. On it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Yeah, it was actually, no, it was really well done. It was really, really well done. A, a lot longer. But what I appreciate about the first one, though, is that it's, what I appreciate about the first one is that, is that it starts with a 12-minute aria. Like, uh, the, the first 12 minutes of the movie is like, is a is a is a shadow of a of a landscape of, of of the city, with with that just changes colors from yellow to red to blue, and it's just a twelve or ten or twelve minute musical intro before the movie even starts. <laughs> but no, I, I just like I said, that's, I needed to bring him up just because uh, of my love for West Side Story. For sure. Surprisingly, not me that time. I did it early. Oh. <laughs> All right, moving on to movies, Gabe. I'm gonna tell you right now. Uh, again, very surprised by this movie. It is Pretty Woman. So I'll ask first. Have you seen Pretty Woman? No. Is it because prostitution wasn't allowed to be talked about in your home? 
no, it's very. That's a very biblical uh, topic. Comes up quite frequently in church. You know, you're actually right. Yeah. Okay. Oldest profession, baby. <laughs> baby. Uh, so you haven't seen it, but you. you okay. So directed by Gary Marshall. Uh, the film stars Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and uh, features Hector Elizondo. Uh, as you know, Gabe, the film uh, centers on a Hollywood prostitute and a wealthy businessman. He hires her for um, several. So if I remember, he hires her for a weekend and that weekend or that week, he has a bunch of social and business events that he has to go to. And like he takes her with him. They develop a relationship during that week, um, and uh, and then you know uh, he climbs a, a escape ladder uh, balcony at the end to go and propose to her. Here's some 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 very uh, interesting casting uh, uh, tidbits. So uh, initially they considered Christopher Reeve, Daniel Day Lewis, and uh, Kevin Klein. Oh, and and even Denzel Washington. For the role that that Richard Gere ended up getting, huh. um, Albert Brooks, Sylvester Stallone, Al Pacino, and Burt Reynolds all turned it down. Can you imagine <laughs> Sylvester Stallone? Pacino went as far as doing a casting reading with Julia Roberts before rejecting the the part. Damn, you gotta feel some kind of way. He comes in, he's like, "Yeah, I might take." These. He's like, "No, no, no." <laughs> Nothing there, dead. There, I didn't feel a thing. <laughs> there were there were quite a few people considered, but like like Winona Ryder, for example, was cons- like wanted the role, but they were like, "No, you're too young. We need like a, you know, a person that looks like a prostitute." Like not not to, not to say that the Julia Roberts like a high class. <laughs> yes, prostitute. high class. There we go. That's what I meant. There we say. go. That's what I meant to say. Well, um, we need pretty woman, not not insanely. Pre- Come on, calm yeah, down. Yeah, yeah you're too pretty. You woman. could you you can't have been doing this much work. <laughs> Obviously named after the song by um, Roy Orbison, pretty, Oh Pretty Woman. The film received positive reviews. Uh, Roberts received a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, and a nomination for Academy Award for Best Actress as her performance, which is basically the beginning of her career. Fourth highest grossing film of all time worldwide. Behind, at the time, only... To E.T., $619 million at the time. Star Wars, $530 million at the time. And Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, $474 million at the time. $14 million budget, Gabe. God, that is insane. If they, if they were the fourth highest and Indiana Jones was number three at $474, how much do you think this movie made? Like $450? 463. Still undershot it, Gabe. Yeah, I was but didn't go over. So no, price is right. Price rules. is right, Rose. We're doing pretty good. Um I I was again like this has been a shocking year for how much money movies made in 1990. My god. Yeah, what is like was it was it just really hot that summer? Like what's going on? <laughs> a lot of AC was being offered at the Yeah, end. they're just like, "Whoa. Got to go to a double feature just to cool off." Cuz yeah, cuz you remember we had we had was it Ghost, right? At like 500 and God knows how yeah. much. We had like yeah, I think yeah, Ghost was the was the was the big one. I want to say we had one more that made a ton, right? Uh yeah. What 
Oh yeah, Home Alone. Home Alone made like four. I think, I think it it probably was the fifth highest grossing film right behind this one. <laughs> but yeah, no. Look, I saw Pretty Woman. I thought it was fine. I saw it once. I never saw it again. But I remember it. I you know, there's a, you know the the memorable scenes right of him slapping the little, boop. <laughs> you know. I remember uh, seeing like in the in the intro like reel where they showed clips from a bunch of movies at the the theater we used to go to that that scene where he like yeah that was in there like that yeah. was like that was an iconic enough moment right up there with Darth Vader um yeah it was a fine film nothing nothing else to say about it moving on to moving on to Dick Tracy have you seen Dick Tracy no did you know about Dick Tracy uh i knew i know about the I don't know if I knew there was a movie, to be honest. I would have assumed, I guess. But I know about like the, the character and the... The 1930s co- comic strip? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course you would know about that. <laughs> Talk and watch, man. That's true. We're, we literally do it now. Oh, my watch actually responded to that. It was like, yes. <laughs> I'm actually a little surprised that you didn't know about this film. Okay. Because it actually... It's... it's um. So, like I mentioned, based on the 1930s comic strip, um, Warren Beatty produced it directed and starred in the film as dick tracy huh. yeah and no no it gets you're about to be a little shocked gabe al pacino was the main bad guy madonna uh he was like no pretty woman yes dick tracy yeah madonna was in it dustin hoffman was in it james Kahn was in it. yeah that's what I'm like gabe like this is actually like a movie that had quite a cast dang also, the thumbnail game <laughs> for our podcast. <laughs> I assumed it was uh it was just relevant interests as much as anything else. You know how you you know how you are. I know how I am. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's literally what the the movie is. It's about Dick Tracy um, and his romantic relationship with. Uh, by the way, uh, let's let's talk about. Well, you know that the character names like Flat Top and fucking, you know, Mumbles and all that. The female character, the lead, her name was Breathless Mahoney. It's a good name. That's a fucking great name. <laughs> and his, his, the, so he's the, the, you know, she was the bombshell, right? So she was the Madonna character. And then Glenn uh, Headley played the, the, you know, the, um, the one who loved Dick Tracy, but he never saw her that way. You know, she was... Her name was Tess Trueheart. Yeah, Aww. I know. Real on uh, the nose here. So there was a little bit of a love triangle there in that sense. Uh, no, but I think he does eventually, or he does he does eventually choose her over over the you know the the Madonna character. Um, so Al Al, Al Pacino played uh, the crime boss Alphonse A L P H O N S E gave, not A L F. A-L-P-H, Alphonse Big Boy Caprice. Big Boy. And his henchmen, all of the ones uh, pre-mentioned. As well as Tracy, who begins uh, fostering a young street urchin named Kid. Aha. Very utilitarian. (laughs) It's like when we named our cat Kitty. (laughs) It's like the people who named their dogs Brownie because he's brown. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Kid. Um, yeah, so uh, re- reviews range from favorable to mixed with positive comments on Madonna's acting and, and Betty's directing. The film was a success at the box office. 
uh, technically. It, <laughs> it garnered seven Academy Award nominations, winning in three of the categories for Best Original Song, Best Makeup, and Best Art Direction. Budget of $46 million, which is actually, I mean, with that cast... Right, you got to you got to you got to pay out a little bit. Yeah, but it, it did make its money back, one hundred and sixty-two million. So not not terrible. Okay, yeah, but you know, but I mean, one of the things about the movie though is is stylistic. Like they really go heavy on the theme of like yellow, red, and they do try to recreate a nineteen thirties Dick Tracy. Like they do a really good job with it. Like Tommy guns everything. Um, I I've watched it maybe two or three times. This is one of those movies that played on HBO like you know once a day okay. for that yeah. one or one or two months. So I know I saw it at least five times. Uh, I have not seen it in twenty something years, so I don't know if it holds up. But I remember it being just fine. Warren Beatty was at the, at the top of his game in the nineties, you know. Yeah, I mean that many Academy Award nominations too. Yeah, but remember those are like there had to be... you know they're based on like uh, you know let's let's look at Dick Tracy real quick. Um, because I was gonna say they're gonna be based on on everything but the acting, guarantee you. Oh yeah, but like there's some quality actors in there. Oh yeah, no, for sure. So let's see here for the accolades. Yeah, you have best supporting actor Al Pacino nominated, best art direction, best cinematography, best costume design, best makeup, best original song, and best sound. So you know, with the with the exception of best supporting actor everything else is like the stuff that you never hear about right yeah but isn't that the stuff that makes a good movie it is it is but i think it also helps when you um when the other stuff happens <laughs> probably okay moving on it separates the 140 something million movies from the 460 something <laughs> a little bit gabe a little bit speaking of movies that made 160 million or less, maybe half of that. Uh, oh, no. No, no, no. This, this, so when I say this, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, Edward Scissorhands. Okay. Have you seen it? Not in its entirety. Gabe, how, how am I still surprised by this stuff? I don't know. Um, directed by Tim Burton, as we all know. I, I take my role on the, sh on the podcast very seriously. <laughs> I'm, I'm good at what I do. You know what, though? <laughs> maybe i've changed because <laughs> you obviously haven't <laughs> you know maybe maybe all these podcasts have gone to my head maybe no no i'm just i'm thinking we're doing something that we're not <laughs> how boring would it be if i actually had watched everything what would we even what would we do <laughs> i'm just gonna make an assumption that the next three movies you're not gonna have watched uh, okay, so directed by Tim Burton, um, also produced by Tim Burton and written um, based on a story by his, starring Johnny Depp, Winona Ryder, Diane Weist, Anthony Michael Hall, Kathy Baker, Vincent Price, and Alan Arkin. I, I love me some Alan Arkin, dude. He's, so, he's such a cool dude. So it tells the story of an unfinished artificial humanoid who has scissor blades instead of hands that is taken in by a suburban family and falls in love with their teenage daughter. Edward Scissorhands was released to positive reception from critics and was a financial success, grossing over four times its $20 million budget. So $86 million, Gabe. Can't be mad. Can't be mad. 
Is this a movie that that you've ever thought about watching though? Oh yeah, it's. I mean, I know of it. Okay, but never you like know, I, I'm in the mood for some for some Johnny Depp with scissor hands. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be the first movie I would pick if I was in the mood for some Johnny Depp. And obviously, it wouldn't be Crybaby either. No. Nope. And it wouldn't be. Uh, oh well, my microphone just decided to boom. It wouldn't be um, Nightmare on Elm Street Part One either, right? Uh, no. Although, to be fair, don't you get le- significantly less of him there? If that's if you want a small dose. No, no, he's in the entire film. Is he? I, oh, he's, he's not one of the, He doesn't. Uh, oh, no, doesn't he, get killed. he makes it. I think he. Um, he might be close to the last ones to get killed by. Oh, okay. by... good for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only he had scissor hands, he could have fought back. My God! Of all the fans that we have, could somebody draw up Edward Scissorhands fighting <laughs> Freddy Krueger? <laughs> That's the shirt, Gabe. <laughs> okay, you know what? No, no, I will take this upon myself, Gabe, and I will create a visual <laughs> of Freddy Krueger fighting Edward Scissorhands. I don't know why. I don't know. You picked Dick Tracy for the for the imagery. I don't I'm, know I'm, why. I'm giving just, you. I'm giving you gold. I just. I just I, leave it around. I don't know why I just decided to say that, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a fun film. This was one of those movies that I didn't watch back to back, but every five years or so, I end up watching it. So I think in the last ten years, I've seen it once. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really like it's a campy. You know, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a. I would say it's a campy. It's a campy horror comedy like love you know like a romantic comedy yeah it's good it's good um this one i i am again 90 you know 95 percent sure you haven't seen but i hope i really hope to educate you on this one dark man does it like haven't seen it for sure but have you heard of it no <laughs> i don't think so anyway jesus that's bad <laughs> that's actually worse than i thought <laughs> okay Directed and co-written by Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi, as we know, Spider-Man fame. Based on a short story that Raimi wrote, paying homage to the 1930s 30s horror films. Gabe, the film stars Liam Neeson as a scientist who is brutally attacked, disfigured, and left for dead by a ruthless mobster. After his girlfriend attorney, or his girlfriend who happens to be an attorney, Francis McDormand runs afoul of a corrupt developer. Let's say that. Uh, okay. After a treatment to cure him for his burn injuries fails, Gabe, it did not work. <laughs> Our lead character, played by, uh, as we mentioned, Liam Neeson, develops superhuman abilities, which also have the unintended side effect of rendering him mentally unstable and borderline psychotic. Consumed with vengeance, he decides to hunt down those who disfigured him. It's technically a comic book movie. Yeah, that sounds like a a comic book premise for sure. Hang on, it gets better. Unable to secure the rights to the shadow, Sam Raimi decided to create his own superhero and struck a deal with Universal Studios to make his first Hollywood studio film. Um, Neeson's first action film in, in the main role. Darkman received generally positive reviews by critics and, and 
was commercially successful, grossing $48 million on a $14 million budget. The success of uh, Darkman spawned two direct-to-video sequels at the time, direct-to-video. Darkman 2, The Return of Durant, and Darkman 3, Die, Darkman, Die. Yeah. As well as comic okay. books, as well as comic books, video games, and action figures. Needless to say, Neil uh, Neeson did not reprise his role for the direct-to-video sequels. So you've never it's, seen none of this is familiar at all. No. Oh wow. Look, I'm gonna say this: Darkman is not a good movie, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. That's fair. That sounds like a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, because he 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 covers his face because of this figurement, so all you see is his eyes. So. If you've ever seen, did you ever watch The Shadow with Alec Baldwin? Uh, Are you familiar with The Shadow? Him and the two forty fives. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yep. So Alec Baldwin did the Shadow movie version. So the whole like hiding the face thing, hat, totally dark man, like literally copied. It's funny. Him. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Sure. What's <laughs> the shadow? Dark. What's he look like? My man. My man. Done. We've done. Character created. Say no more. <laughs> okay, moving on to... Now, this is interesting. This is not interesting. This is... We're including this because of if it's uh, cultural importance. Um, Stephen King's It from the 1990s was not technically a movie released in theaters. It was a miniseries because it was a two films released on television. But, okay. it you know, it's obviously like what it spawned is ridiculous right so it's a it was a two-part uh release right the the first half were the kids and the second half the adults very much what they did with the new it except in in television back in the day um did you ever watch the original it nope did you watch the new it nope (laughs) but you're familiar with pennywise the clown yeah no it's not my genre so I will say this, like the original was more fun and lighthearted. The new one, I remember watching it and it was that whole like really loud volume to scare you. Yeah, the jump scare. The jump scare. And that, that yeah, was annoying. Just like, that was annoying. Yeah, I don't, you know. And and I don't, the, I don't pay money to have have the experience of having a a a, a toddler. Yeah, and the other thing is too like in the original like it's all practical effects while the new yeah. one was all Yeah, I think that's the difference. So Tim Curry was Pennywise the Clown, which is one of, you know, such a great casting role. Uh, the adults were played by Richard Thomas, John Ritter, Harry Anderson, Jonathan Brandis, and the kids were played by other people. But yeah, it's a <laughs> kids were played by children. Yeah, oh. nobody cares. Um, but yeah, it's a story uh, based on uh, on Stephen King's um, uh, novel. Uh, it's very it- weird novels. One of his many weird novels. Yeah. I, I remember reading an article about some of the details for it when the movies came out. And I was like, what is what is this story? <laughs> yeah. But but it's about a... Again, like, fucking... It, it is a, a little horrifying, right? Because it it's a it's about a, a clown who, who preys on children, right? On children's fears in order yeah. to be able to, like, eat them. Or devour them. Um, yeah, doesn't the like doesn't the doesn't the fear or something like kind of like season them or something? Like, isn't that what he? Yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. that that more yeah. scared they are, the more delicious they are to him. 
Um, Some kind of cosmic horror. So, so yeah, and that's the thing. Like he, he, when he's personified, he's a clown. When he's not, he's that person's fear. So if you're afraid of whatever, that's what that's what he he turns into. So yeah, so it's a story of these kids who who run upon um, uh, Pennywise the clown when they're kids, and they think they kill him, and like thirty years later, they start to realize he didn't die because he's been haunting them, and they come back to their hometown to figure out what happened and um and confront him basically so i think like the original move the original miniseries takes place in 1990 as them adults and then the the uh the prequel or the first ep- episode takes uh it takes place in the 1960s when they're like 10 years old or 12 and then they're 40 50 years old and yeah you know it's just about them coming back to to defeat him uh, again the original was great when you rewatch it, because I did rewatch it before watching the new it, you're like, "Oh, this is campy. This is not. This yeah, is, this is not scary." Tim, again, Tim Curry does a phenomenal job scaring you as Pennywise the clown. But yeah, the new one though, again, Skarsgård, right? The Skarsgård yep. kid can make the face, but a lot of it is CGI with the makeup yeah. and everything. So. Um, also, a fun fact: the band Pennywise named themselves after the Pennywise clown. If 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 you're not, would fam- it be weird if they didn't? It'd be weirder if they didn't. <laughs> honestly, what if they're just wise about money and about? Yeah, they're just. They're like, look, every penny about, counts. You gotta save pennies. Every penny counts. Pennywise. What, what are you talking about? There's a clown name. What do you? <laughs> why do people keep giving us these? <laughs> What's with these red balloons, everybody? What are you? <laughs> what is wrong with people? But if you're not a fan or you don't know Pennywise the band, listen to Fuck Authority. It's one of I their best songs. Them. It's one of the best uh, songs I think they have. And I might even see them. Uh, I think they're at Aftershock. Oh, Shock. shit. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can talk about that in a bit. All right. Coming up next, Rocky Five. Gabe, at this point, how many Rocky movies have you seen? Uh, I think, well, if you over the deal... Details of this one. I know I own the original run before the. Before there was like Burma? one more newer one, right? There's two newer ones. Two more newer. So I probably haven't seen those because I have the original run, all the DVD set. The five original. The five original, yeah. And I, I've watched them. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, this is yeah. great. Oh, wow. Okay. So directed by John G., um, written and starring Sebastian Stallone, as he does. It is the again the fifth installment of the Rocky films. So in this movie, uh, he's already like done boxing, Rocky Balboa. So he's struggling, you know, like he's back in his apartment. I think he's no longer in the house, and uh, he he runs. Uh, he's running just you know his the, the gym like that. That's his job. Like he's he's a has been. He's a has been, and he takes on a protege. Tommy Gunn, which was actually, I think, a real uh, a real um, boxer, right? Tommy Morrison. Um, and uh, and starts to train him. And what happens is, and what happens is he he wants to train him to be a good boxer, but then the the Don King character comes in and is like, no, no, you can do better. So he he, he takes him away from him. Like, I can give you money, I can give you fame. Well, well, Rocky's like, no, you like you know you'll get there you you gotta approach it the right way so it turns into a thing 
And this is the first Rocky movie, I think, where there isn't a, a Rocky, like, ring fight. They have a street fight at the end. Yeah. Do you recall this movie at all, Gabe, from all the facts? It, it's been a while since I saw it. Like, a long while. But I do. I do vaguely remember. I mean, honestly, earlier ones have more memorable moments in the time. For the years, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think up, yeah, because, I mean, the first one, right? It's It's the first one. The second one, he finally wins the title. The third one is Mr. T. The fourth one is Dolph Lundgren against Russia. I mean, the unforgettable like reasons. The fifth one, yes, could be forgotten. Could be yeah. forgotten. Okay. So $42 million budget, which surprised me, uh, made 119 So it got its money back. Have you seen the movie Misery or heard of Misery? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, this is another Stephen King movie. Uh, directed by Rob Reiner, by the way. Um, it stars James Caan, Kathy Bates, Lauren Bacall, Richard Fansworth, and Francis Sternhagen. The plot centers around an obsessive fan who holds an author captive and forces him to rewrite the finale of his book series. Now, this is this movie's fantastic. So James Caan's character is a writer. He's driving through this... Um, snowy you know like very uh um i guess i want to say treacherous treacherous yes yes but like you know like between you know between vegas and la right imagine that but covered in snow in the winter um and he gets into a car accident and then he wakes up on a bed like his legs are broken and uh, so what happened was he got into a car accident and somebody found him and brought him home and, and patched him up. A nurse, actually. So uh, she has no phone. She has no way to contact anybody. Um, so but then he starts. But then he starts to realize, oh, she knows who I am. And then it kind of starts to develop like, oh, she's a really big fan of my work. And. He has a character that he's written all his books about, and he's planning on killing him off. So she finds out, and she's uh, not having it. She is Kathy Bates is phenomenal in this film, dude. So yeah, she's not having it, and it very quickly turns into a Stephen King book, <laughs> <laughs> and then Stephen King, Stephen King's all over it. <clears throat> he definitely does. There is a fucking scene, dude, that still to this day puts a little bit of a couple bumps in the back of my neck um, in order because he tries to escape and you know, she's like mm, naughty, naughty. She, how, how do I put this? Okay. So she puts his legs up on a, on a piece of wood and then puts another piece of wood on top and then takes a sledgehammer to the wood. Ooh. Yeah. She is so so good in that movie dude and james Conn is fantastic obviously but um but she is amazing as the as the uh antagonist of that crazed fan and she literally makes him rewrite the book and rewrite the ending in order to be able to like keep the character alive it's oh my god misery will f you up dude it is a stephen king would you believe uh family guy spoofed it and they have a uh you're like, you know what? Everything you're telling me, I feel like I've yeah, no, seen. Yeah, I know this. <laughs> I got the cliff notes. <laughs> then yes, I believe it. And uh, yeah, no, it is. It is. Uh, it. I mean, 
Stephen King movies books are are ninety percent of the time are are like pretty pretty well done. Uh, yeah, this one though. But remember, at this point, the entire film is James Conn and Kathy Bates in a in a cabin in the woods. Yeah, like, it's it's very driven by these two characters, and and she is phenomenal. She's amazing in this in this movie. Such a great great adaptation. It's awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's talk about some uh, some uh, you know honorable mentions, Gabe. Uh, we have Back to the Future Part Three, the Clint Eastwood um, episode. <laughs> we we have uh, we have Ernest goes to jail. You know, this is the one where it Ern- was bound to happen. This is the one where Ernest has a doppelganger that looks exactly like him, except he slicks his hair back. Oh, evil Ernest. You Actually, that's literally what, what, what he's known as. <laughs> I'm going to assume you haven't seen Ernest Goes to Jail. No. It makes perfect sense. Um, the Ernest Cinematic Universe. I don't the, know if I'm that deep. The, and then we have Hard to Kill, starring... Steven Spielberg. I mean, I'm sorry. Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> entirely different Steven. Steven Seagal, <laughs> Gabe. Hard to kill. This is um, this is the movie after Above the Law, where he is a detective who goes into a coma after being shot at home uh, uh, during a home invasion that kills his wife. He goes into a coma for seven years. Okay. He wouldn't have been hard to kill during that period. Mm. Well, they thought he was dead. Yeah, no, no. I, I understand the reference, but like, if you're in a coma, very easy to kill. Very easy to kill. And then he goes on to avenge, uh, avenge the death of his wife. Obviously, um, again, for a, you know, this is this is Steven Seagal at his peak, man. This was like an eleven million dollar budget film that made like sixty million. But I just wanted to make sure that was mentioned because Hard to Kill is actually a fun movie to watch, man. That's when I yeah, he I, had a run right there of like he did a, some a few movies that were like. For example, Fun. for example, Mark for Death, also 1990, which is a a, a you know a, a, <laughs> what's that's the best way to say it. it's you know just again um, it's Steven Seagal he uh, returns to his hometown where there's a Jamaican voodoo person that puts some santeria on him. Twelve million dollar budget, twelve million dollar budget still made sixty million, Gabe. The dude was on fire. You, he couldn't do it wrong. Two $60 million movies in a year. That's 160. 120. He proved he could do it wrong. He could. Young Guns 2 comes out also, Gabe. Same, uh, relatively the same cast. I think it's Emilio Estevez, um, Lou Diamond Phillips, Kiefer Sutherland. And then, oh, and this is where Christian Slater comes in. Um, speaking of Christian Slater, Pump Up the Volume comes out. I don't know if you heard about this film, Gabe. It is a coming-of-age teen drama about a kid who is able to transmit a radio show within his town, but it's everybody, everybody's telling the kid not to listen because he's influencing them because of what he's telling them to do to rebel and to push back and to do all those things. Christian Slater at his best, man. I think, yeah. Can't say enough good things about Pump Up the Volume. The last one we'll talk about is a movie called Robo Jocks. This I don't know how many people have ever heard of this, but it's it's a mech 
science fiction film, like a mech, like a you know the 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 robots, the, the Pacific Rims mech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a post-apocalyptic world where mechs fight in in like the desert. They will fight each other, and it's. It's about it's a, it's a story of one of the guys who pilots one of those robo, uh, you know, machines, and and they have these international battles like a robo jock from Japan or a robo jock from Australia. That's how they settle disputes by like countries. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. No. I, it can't be worse than the current system. It's it's a ridiculous movie. I remember watching it tons of times though, tons of times. Yeah, no, uh, all the, oh yeah, and Luke was talking too. We talked about Luke was talking series. This is the one where the sister comes out. All right, moving on to first appearances. Speaking of Pretty Woman, I don't know if we planned this, but it, it happened. Uh, Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria's first appearance, debut appearance, is in Pretty Woman. Hank Azaria, obviously, The Birdcage, one of the greatest movies ever, but also, you know, has been voicing many characters on the simpsons for 25 plus years <laughs> no end in sight i think he does mo right he does mo and he does um i think he does chief wiggum and i think he does he does a few characters on the simpsons he's amazing uh there was a movie called the grifters and andy dick had his debut appearance uh chris o'donnell Men Don't Leave. Chris O'Donnell, famous for being Robin to uh, to uh, uh, George Clooney's Batman, among other things. Obviously, I mean, okay, I don't want I don't want to shit on 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 Chris O'Donnell, but um, so so no, like he he <laughs> again, I'm being a dick, but he's actually been in quite a few movies, like School Ties. I don't know if you ever saw that film with Matt Damon no. about uh, this was about. G- I want to say it was a period piece in the 1940s, 50s with Jewish Nazi stuff themed to it. Um, he was the he was also in scent of a woman with, you know, countering Al Pacino in Al Pacino, you know, one of Al Pacino's probably greatest roles. Aside from, you know, Carlito's way and Scarface, he was D'Artagnan in the Three Musketeers. Oh, OK, yeah, I know. Like, again, like, again, I'm being a dick. But he's actually done quite a few things. And, like, hasn't he been on, like, a TV show for, like, ever? Like, NCSI? Isn't he one of those NCSI people? No, NCSI, is he? NCSI might. No, no. Uh, New, not New Orleans. Oh, no. Uh, uh, with LL Cool J. NCSI Los Angeles. He's been on that for, like, 300, 200, 100 episodes. Seems like a good gig. Yeah. Not a bad Seems like gig. a good gig to get. You know? Again, not to shit on him, but but yeah, he was you know he was also Robin in the Batman and Robin movie. <laughs> Did we mention Luke Perry? Terminal Bliss. Luke Perry goes on to be the heartthrob of Nine Hundred Two One Zero and nothing else. <laughs> and you know what? I'm, again, I'm being a dick. Uh, he was also in 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 um in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, not in the Tarantino movie. Right before he passed. Oh, see? Right before he great passed. things. And then you're familiar with Rob Schneider, Gabe? Yeah. Yep. He was also made his first appearance, uh, debut appearance in the movie called Martians Go Home. I think he's a very funny, funny guy, dude. I think, and again, this besides besides being a cast member of SNL, 
Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, is a funny fucking film. I don't care what anybody... Uh, you can fight me on that. That's a funny fucking movie, dude. The Animal is a funny movie. Like, he... He he's he's a funny guy. I I, I know I, I, it's a stupid comedy, but no, he's he's actually very funny. He's also the father of uh, of the singer Ellie King, just for the record. The X's and O's. So yeah, that's pretty much our episode. This closes off 1990. What a ridiculous year for blockbusting movies! My God, there was so much mo- money in movies in 1990, right? So there's uh, uh, just a banner year. A banner year or a banger year? Banner. Oh. Okay. But it could also be a banger year. I, I would have preferred because of the kids listening game, you know? Our, oh, yeah. Oh, no, our, actually, our target audience. Actually, our target audience is people who would say banger, but our actual audience is 35 to 45. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to say 90% of our audience is 35 to 45. <laughs> that 5%, though, could grow. The other 5 the other than 35 to 45. The 25 to 35, <laughs> we need that audience. If you guys, if you want to hear more bangers, come on over. Game no is cap. ready. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Find us at, at PopCultureHangFire on your Instagram. And uh, we don't know if 1991 is next or another episode. But uh, stay tuned because we are nearing the end of season two. And prepping for season three, the franchises. See you next week.